Welcome to the CRC Conversation on the Christopher Peter Review, where we discuss leading current events impacting our economy, public policy, and society. In this edition, we are going to discuss ideology and some drawbacks. People generally want principled leaders when we really need people who can manage the moments based on situational factors and not simply relying on partisan prescriptions. For instance, conservatives always want to lower taxes and progressives always want higher tax rates. In reality, where the rest of us live, there are times to lower taxes to boost our economy and times to raise taxes to avoid what is described as a hot economy. The issue really is how our political system has devolved into a dogfight between ideological rigid hyper-partisan opponents, where we the voters play a role in this by treating anyone who compromises or shows a willingness to negotiate as defective and unworthy of the office they seek. Is there a solution or a path in another direction? I am always interested in hearing why people vote for who they vote for. And even more interested in their reactions when that person does not deliver what they hoped they would, when there was more than enough evidence to prove otherwise. The media always talks about how people are tired of partisan politics, but I am not sure they are truly tired of it and that the people are actually tired of it. I think part of the solution to avoiding hyper-partisan and ideological rigid candidates is to stop obsessing over the words stated by a candidate, their campaign, or supporter organizations, and pay a little more attention to their record, the outcomes of those records, and what the experts in the hot issue field state are the problems and possible solutions. I am not saying ignore the messaging, speeches, and platforms, but expand beyond them. I think people who are liberal, or progressive will support candidates who they believe they will personally like. Regardless of if the policies that candidate supports will harm their personal well-being. There is a disconnect between feelings over the politician and the actions by those politicians. On the other hand, conservatives are generally supportive of politicians who promise to protect freedoms, lower the cost associated with government, and promote safety and security. They do not always see if those promises become reality. We are always going to have hyper-partisans and ideologically rigid governments because the calculus of getting elected is known. If you are in a left-leaning district, focus on likability and your record will be completely ignored. If you are in a right-leaning base, play up safety concerns, freedom, and the cost of living, and your likability issues may be overlooked. Very few candidates focus on being both likable and effective. The appeal Trump is offering voters is that he will restore our border security, change the plight of our economy, and improve our failing foreign policy. On the other hand, Biden continues to market that he is not Trump, not even offering a valid excuse for his performance as president. So Americans do not have a front-runner that is willing to acknowledge the need to be both likable and effective. They are simply holding on to what their pollsters are telling them will be effective to get to 270 electoral votes. So, if we are really against hyper-partisanship and ideological rigidity, then we need to show that we are not rigid in how we vote and the parties we support. Republicans and Democrats will take their 40% of the electorate and hope to gain one more of the independents who actually get out and vote than the other one. If we are ideologically rigid and heavily partisan, why should we expect anything to be different? At the end of the day, does this have a real-world impact? We are in a free nation where people are able to like what they want regardless of how it truly impacts them. People have the right to be wrong at times. Unfortunately, enough people making the wrong choices impacts the proportion of the people making the right choices. Our politics usually are like a pendulum over time. Society chooses one direction until that choice does not stand the test of time. Then we choose to support another direction. That is usually the cycle we live under. Now, the rigidity is used to create generational politicians. In many of these areas, the outcomes may be tolerable at first, but dwindle over time. There are many areas suffering through generational decline because of rigidity. 
We are always aware of this problem when we look at areas opposite of where we reside. If you live in a conservative area, you decry the liberal political machines and vice versa. For instance, we see progressive liberal politicians complain about not being able to pass gun control because of lifelong conservatives, who call out the rampant crime in the areas these progressive liberal represent. People are free to choose who they want, but they need to accept the outcomes of their decisions. If you ignore the outcomes of elected officials, then you accept their shortcomings. Our politics sometimes make politicians take actions with the right intentions, but the wrong approach. For instance, the push for increasing the number of insured people was a good idea. Forcing people to buy something they do not perceive to need at a price they cannot negotiate or price compare was not the best way forward. Pushing for more environmentally friendly and sustainable policies is not a bad policy goal. The obsessive manner and fear-mongering is not the proper approach. I think we can agree that the people focusing on carbon capture technology are by far more helpful than those who are trying to make every normal everyday behavior a question of climate impact. And the people pushing for pro-life policies have the right intention, but the hardline stance is what is causing blowback, where there are no exceptions for the traditional compromise. The annual number of abortions was going down because of the effectiveness of the pro-life movement and others who helped offer alternatives and support for pregnant women. Is the hysteria-driven madness that engulfs every issue impacting our ability to accomplish needed political goals with reasonable balanced policies? I think we saw this recently with the far-right Republicans who successfully scored the biggest win for the pro-life movement in our generation in striking down Roe v. Wade. There are always unexpected consequences of any policy action or apparent victory. All the people who cheered political victories with gun control legislation were probably surprised by judicial defeats later on. People or organizations do not abandon their prior political stances. Republicans who lost because of the ruling are probably not happy with the party's inability to effectively message following the landmark ruling. And the interesting aspect was the progress the movement was already making with reducing the controversial practice over time. The far-right politicians advancing policies without any accommodation are performing just as badly as the left-leaning ones who attempted to make the termination of life normalized. Finally, Democrats try to weave racism and other forms of discrimination into every aspect of American life. They also try to connect everything to climate change. Now, it seems like they are connecting the two with environmental racism. As much as they market that they are the party of mainstream, the progressives running the party continue trying to normalize radical ideas without any shred of evidence. They want us to believe everything is systemic racism. The real problem we are seeing is systemic stupidity. The progressives do not have any evidence that their ideas are workable and beneficial, so they cloak them in buzzwords to drive emotional support from the feel-first-think-later base. For instance, the new rule where people who pay their bills will have to pay more to subsidize people who fail to live up to their commitments. How does any rational person feel that this is fair and equitable? Not only is this kind of thinking radical, but it has consequences that we have seen before. Something called the financial crisis. The far left does not want to acknowledge that outcomes are a result of choices. Not exclusively, but the majority drivers of what happens in our lives are the decisions we make, the actions we take, and the attitudes we demonstrate. We place too great of an emphasis on luck. But, the reality is people create the opportunity they receive or the consequences they face. There are things in life we do not control. We do not control if we are born disabled or have a genetic-related illness. But many aspects of life are decided by moments in life. And we cannot continue having this imbalance where we reward bad decisions and poor behaviors by making the people who do the right thing and make the right choices work harder and take home less to comfort those who position themselves in the worst spot in life. And we need to stop fabricating division, 
which only creates real division. We need to stop storytelling and focus on real facts. Address the real drivers of why communities struggle. Address the real reasons why people experience negative externalities. The continued storytelling is only making the bad outcomes more prevalent. We do not want to struggle to be comfortable, but motivating people to want more and get more out of their life. Reward good decision-making and good behaviors. I thank you all for experiencing this edition of the CRC Conversation. Make sure to come back next week to experience more here on the Christopher Peter Review.